Okay, let's get the ball rolling. Let's get the ball rolling. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Trading Patterns. My name is Dimitri Kirchev. I'm going to be your host. And with me is Mr. Nikolai Stoikov, a Wall Street veteran, a person with tremendous amount of experience, has experience with equity, options, pretty much everything. That guy has it all. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least did it all. Well, they say experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> My name is uh, Nikolai Stoikov, and I'm uh, 40 years old, 48. That's a lot. And um, I've been uh, kind of having a career in finance in Wall Street for the last 24 years, something like that. Um, I'm currently managing director at uh, Large Securities in Bulgaria and managing director at Ace Trade in uh, Istanbul. And um, kind of like I have a um, kind of other regulatory functions at uh, different companies. Um, I have been dealing with trading for about 24 years, actually 23. First year I was... uh, That's a lot of time. It's a lot of time, but uh, yeah, in some respect. When I was young, I would think that 48 sounds like a dude, ancient. Aren't you worried about dying or something? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so our audience is going to be genuinely interested in that. How did you get to Wall Street? By chance, actually. Um, I didn't want to be a trader. I was uh, at school. Um, I went to the University of Rochester. And um, I was genuinely interested about staying in uh, the U.S. Unfortunately, I needed a work visa to apply for many of those um, programs or jobs. And it seems like Wall Street was one of the few industries that would give you a visa. I wanted to be an investment banker. But it turns out that uh, investment bankers, what they say is true. They really work a lot of hours. And what is it, 100 plus working hours a week? If you work less than 90 a week, you know that layoffs are coming. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the same. Uh, I just am not made like that. I mean, there's different people that are made different ways. And I know that. If I choose that lifestyle, I would get severely depressed. Um, when I was at school, I would see some Indians that would basically work 40 hours a week and go to classes and pass the classes with good grades. I can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Not made like that. Okay. Let's get to the topic of uh, this podcast. I think it would be nice to start with integrist teachers. What is an integrist teacher to you? Did you have a role model? Did you have an integrist teacher? I didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't have one? I didn't have that. Um, that was too much of a heavy topic. I mean, I wanted to... There's, it turns out that men, even though they have, we have like wider distribution, seems like men have like a, something like a common pattern, and that's called Lambo with girls in bikini. So girls in bikini and a Lamborghini is just the driving force behind my actions for most of my conscious life, especially when I was at that age, uh, when I was graduating or going to university. 
So yes, um, I didn't have time for a role model. All I wanted to do is get some Lambo and get some girls in bikini. And that's, that's where the story ended. I didn't think about anything else. So would you confirm with the way media portrays Wall Street? Is it as fancy as they portray it? You come to work whenever you want. You earn all that money. Well, <laughs> <laughs> once in a while, something like that happens. Um, usually, if you choose that lifestyle, it's going to end up pretty bad. It's not going to end up pretty bad like in a year or two, but usually it doesn't end up um, bad within five to ten years for sure. Um, yeah, we don't know really why that is, but it seems like success makes it appear as if you're chosen, if you're special, if your life is some sort of like a gift of God, and you just lower your guard. And um, that tends to do tremendous damage to your discipline and habits. And certainly when things change, um, you miss the turn. It's like you're driving and you're driving on the straight. And suddenly there's a bunch of uh, kind of like turns and you miss it. And yeah, um, things like that do happen. It's very difficult to handle it in a mature way when you're 25, 26. I think that LL Cool J used to say, if you have a million dollars in your bank account and you're 18 years old, what are you gonna choose? Municipal free government, like tax free municipal bonds, <laughs> <laughs> or two girls and doing it all night at the plaza. And plaza is a very relatively fancy hotel in New York when I was there. And when you're 18, that's not a choice. And yes, the reality. Oh, so you, so there was a point in time where you went for option B. You mean municipal bonds? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, there was time when I went for option B. Uh, practically impossible to miss it. Um, I got away relatively um, without too much damage. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, if you experience historical success on Wall Street, um, you're most likely going to be subject or at least be influenced to do uh, option B, which is two girls at the plaza <laughs> doing it all night long. <laughs> I recently read, at the time the book came out, Warren Buffett, his net worth was $84.5 billion and 81.5 To say a majority of his money came after <laughs> he was old. Yeah, it came after his 60th birthday. That's a huge problem for a lot of, a lot of young people that want to enter the financial industry. It seems like we're programmed to be instant gratification monkeys. We want it all, and we want it now. Yeah, we're monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, um, as I said, I teach traders and mentors how to trade and teach uh, mentors how to teach traders. And I always emphasize the fact, if there is any kind of doubt of what you want to do, just remember that you're a monkey. <laughs> just keep it simple in the sense that like ask yourself like am I acting like a monkey and uh, the answer is usually yes the reality of it is is that success doesn't come to young people uh, that often is because they will turn into a very horrible human being <laughs> idea of specialness um, some sort of like a kind of like oh I'm ordained I'm kind of like my path God made me 
do this thing and God has chosen a path for me. If some historical explanations that come up to um, explain, like, you know, uh, luck, pure luck. And luck is needed. Uh, but at the same time, um, people usually kind of do very uh, strange things after they get lucky once. They assume that their luck's going to follow them. You're born on the lucky star and you don't have to work any hard anymore or that hard anymore. Uh, those are illusions. <laughs> and um, the only way that life's going to teach you that those are going to illusions is when you taste uh, asphalt and blood, and maybe a few teeth in your mouth <laughs> moving. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the reason why young people don't experience that much success very early on or what we call con like you know achieving your dreams is because you're going to become a very bad person. And this is really not the best thing for you uh, to happen. Okay, Alaric Securities, based in Sofia, Bulgaria, we could say that it's the only company that offers mentorship to traders. Do you think that could affect young traders in a positive way? Do you think it's possible for a good mentor, for an integrous teacher to push away the idea of, how did you say it, to girls in the Plaza Hotel, a <laughs> bunch of gold? <laughs> um, the answer to that question, it depends. Um, it really depends on the strength of the relationship. In a sense that um, the mentor is not the only person in the life of the trader. Um, a lot of security is not the only company that does that, but in general, that's done very rarely to the extent that we do it. In the sense that most of the mentorship or most of the tutoring or teaching in uh, trading is usually like two weeks and somebody's just trying to just. Uh, do a, like, you know, just check all the boxes and not really instruct in details um, everything that he knows about the trader. In that particular sense, like, um, my experience tells me it's very difficult to affect the habits of young people. It seems like habits take a while to unwind. And the habits... Uh, the core of many of our actions. And um, mentor does have some impact, but that impact is not limitless, and many other factors come into play. You were in a couple of hedge funds, and you were one of the co-founders of one, yes. if I'm not mistaken. So at a pretty much young age, you said that you didn't have a mentor. So how did it turn out for you? Random. <laughs> <laughs> up and down, up and down. Uh, that's, a, that's a common pattern. Um, maybe, um, maybe it takes a while. Uh, it, it certainly this seems like to be a very difficult industry. And uh, you really don't have that good guidance. And um, there are many other things that are happening, everything that seems possible. But uh, the reality of it is, um, yeah, like I was at those two hedge funds. Uh, there was a time I was thinking it was a big shot. And um, then there was a time that turns out that it wasn't that big shot. <laughs> and uh, things kind of fluctuate. Yeah, they do. They do. What advice would you give to young traders? Advice? I mean, people know it all. <laughs> <laughs> Especially young people, right? I'll give you... I'll give you an example. 
um, we had like a young trader, potential candidate come here. And he says like, look, I work for IBM and um, 30 something years old, an engineer by degree and uh, I uh, want to trade crypto and I've back tested it. <laughs> He backtested. <laughs> yes, he backtested crypto, <laughs> and he's gonna quit his job at IBM and trade crypto full time. And I'm like, wow! <laughs> First of all, um, you don't have a statistical degree. I do, and one thing that I could tell you is that uh, you probably whatever you did is backtested it. And I'm like, isn't it strange that you only backtested for one thing? And uh, isn't it strange that Warren Buffett says that uh, crypto is not something he would buy? And Warren Buffett is <laughs> 70 years. I just want to stop you right there because we're probably going to lose a lot of our audience that are fans of crypto. We're in no way against crypto, are we? No, we're not. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that like uh, saying is that the fact is um, the fact is that um, uh, people assume that. Uh, I'm not really against crypto. I'm just saying against the, the fact that you're going to quit your job at IBM by the evidence that you backtested crypto for, well, like, I don't know, for five years. Isn't that like rash? Isn't that like, you know, a little presumptuous? I mean, how many people could support themselves trading crypto? <laughs> <laughs> and even if they do, have they done this for a few years? And yes, the answer is... Yeah, no, he hasn't. It turns out that uh, we have, uh, yeah, that's a very big, very big uh, question or very big pattern that happens. A trader is successful in one year, makes, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand, maybe even half a million, maybe a million. And decides that the world's going to turn around uh, for him. And from now on, everything's going to go his way. So he gets married and tells his wife, ah, I don't have to work, honey. <laughs> That's a very typical pattern. It's a very typical pattern. For traders. For traders. And for most people. It's like, you know, things go well for like a year or two and you decide that things are going to continue to go well. Um, so we project success. Yes, yes. Uh, it's practically impossible not to do if you're a young person. If you're a young person that, um, yeah, like you... Um, You've worked for a few years. Every year things get better. Of course, you project that things are going to go <laughs> infinitely well. <laughs> <laughs> what was your most successful day on Wall Street? It's actually pretty bad. <laughs> uh, my worst and my best days actually feel very much the same. My best day was... Um, yeah... Let me give you the story. I was in Chicago and was trading corn options. And uh, there is this report that's called World Agricultural Supply Demand. And I came up with a great idea that I want to short options before the report in the sense that the report's not going to be surprising. That's uh, actually a very good idea. And the day before the report, I think the report was Tuesday, Things went a little bit nuts. Things went against me. <laughs> and I s increased my position by 50%, whatever that was short. That was really not what I had planned to do the week before. And 
I know I violated some investment uh, kind of risk management guidelines that I was supposed to follow. And uh, yeah, I didn't sleep all night. And while I didn't sleep all night, I had all the time in the world to figure out how I could lose a lot of money, like 10 million, maybe 15 million. And uh, the next day, on six or seven coffees before eight o'clock, the report came out. And um, the report was as expected. And I made like um, $6 million in that day. I had $6 million lost dollars like, in one day. Yeah, and I had lost like uh, $2 million or something like that the day before uh, when things went against me. And I remember... So you were $4 million. Yeah, $4 million net for two days. Wow. And uh, I went home and fell asleep. <laughs> so there were no strippers there was no there were coke no strippers there were no friends there were no buying drinks for anybody there was no high fives it wasn't like you know honey you didn't rent a private jet no no i was uh, so tired and i was so numb and the one thing i kind of kept thinking about nikolai you cannot have too many days like that like the one that you had i know it's a big win but uh, something's going to break if you're going to have too many of those sleepless nights. So the reality of it is your worst day is your best day. It's probably a function of you being probably over-leveraged. <laughs> <laughs> and we say that success is a function of hard work, but success is also a function of success, of uh, luck. And yeah, your best day and your worst day are usually um, a function of luck. And one day things went your way, and the other day, things went against you. And uh, But what's common about them is that you probably um, had too big of a position. Yes, that's, that's the common factor. That's certainly not what Hollywood portrays Wall Street to be like. I mean, I know for sure if I win $4 million on the market, I'm not going home. Or at least I think I'm not going home. Yeah, you think you're not going <laughs> home. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think that I was going to go home, but I did. I did, and um, part of it is, uh, yeah, if you haven't slept for like 48 hours, of course you're going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to go home. You're going to go home. I mean, th it just world looks very different when you haven't slept for 48 hours and you're thinking about all the nightmares that could happen that actually didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I do remember... Um, very clearly for that day, like uh, that, I was like, man, you have to change something. I didn't know what I was going to change. I couldn't, didn't know what was wrong. But I knew that uh, if I did not, yeah, something bad was going to happen. I mean, yeah, all those worries, all those nightmares, um, those leave a definite physical trace in your body. Um, why does Wall Street, uh, Hollywood doesn't portray that? Well, because um, you're not going to buy tickets for that movie <laughs> <laughs> that portrays it. <laughs> Girls in uh, bikini and a Lamborghini, that's what sells. And yeah, like, uh, that's what people want to experience. That's what they think they're going to get. But if you pursue Girls in bikini and Lambo, you're going to get days like that. They come hand in hand. You're trying to achieve that lifestyle. And even if you achieve it, there is a price to be paid. 
many people don't see it. Of course, like that is a strange thing. Like people know your position and kind of like don't know it in details, but they kind of know your position a little bit and they congratulate you. And uh, yeah, but deep inside you kind of numb. I mean, all like all the pain that kind of like you suffered the night before is there. Um, you don't feel like celebrating, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that does not feel like a win. It's like a pyrrhic victory. It's like, yeah, you won, but if you keep doing things like that, um, you're going to be dead. Yeah. That doesn't sell tickets on, on Hollywood. Yeah, certainly it doesn't. It sounds pretty dark, actually. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> to me, what you are striving to achieve in your current career as a mentor slash investor, trader, is hits over home runs. How would you explain that? <laughs> <laughs> don't we deep inside don't we all want home runs oh Aren't we do we program that we way? do we, we program that way <laughs> <laughs> what i call uh life of quiet desperation um let's say that you get lucky and it happens like this is a real story we have a trader i made first his ten thousand dollars month so let's say he was trading for a few months, making, losing, making, like, no average, let's say a thousand to two thousand. Then he makes ten thousand. He shaves his head, buys everybody drinks, other <laughs> common stuff. Shaves his head. Shaves his head. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ask him, so, so when are you going to shave your head and buy drinks for everybody? I'm going to make $20,000 a month. <laughs> <laughs> so you have like a trader that's like maybe a year into his trading. He's probably like a thousand dollars, maybe two thousand dollars a month trading, and suddenly he's ten thousand dollars, one month, and then he doubles down. So it's like next time I will celebrate is when I'm twenty thousand dollars a trader a month. Um, that's that's very difficult. Um, you should be happy if you make like four or five thousand dollars a month. You shouldn't wait for twenty thousand dollars. Um, yeah, people are unrealistic, like uh, who they are. You achieve something for one month, and suddenly you become that becomes your expectation. And that's uh, a life of quiet desperation, and um, that's a story for everybody, but especially in trading, when good month, bad month happens, and suddenly you benchmark against your best day. I mean, I really don't want that best day to be repeated or beaten. <laughs> I tell you that, like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with, like, less than $4 a month, uh, our day, um, thanks. So, yeah, I, um, at some point, consistency is what matters. If you want to make a career, you need to learn how to be consistent and uh, um, naturally. Um, this is a void point of view that's not portrayed in the media. This is the viewpoint that many people don't really um, subscribe to or think it's necessary. But yes, you need to go for hits versus home runs if you want to make a career in this industry. Back to the original topic about the integrist teachers. Who do you think is the most qualified to be an integrist teacher? What um, traits does the integrist teacher need to have? It's a very difficult question and a very simple question. Um, we have we have different role models, and um, I think that reality of it is that you need to see the person's life in whole, in the sense that uh, sometimes people could be successful 
for like a decade or maybe two decades. For example, if you choose to a career, have a career being a drug dealer, that could be very successful in the beginning. <laughs> but it seems like there is a pattern where like drug dealer, it doesn't matter how successful he is, by his early 50s, he's captured. So you have like basically maybe 15 to 20, 25 years max of your career availability when things could be looking very good, actually. And you could be making lots of money, but you're probably going to be sitting inside a jail or um, being um, killed very early on. So this is not the longevity. So the one primary consideration for integrous teacher role model would be longevity. What happens to the person in his 60s, 70s, maybe 80s? And uh, yes, uh, that would be... We choose role models based on um, that we feel close to, that are relevant in our kind of time frame. But uh, we don't know. For example, Tiger Woods was a role model for many people, but you see what happens to Tiger Woods, he's no longer relevant. And uh, yeah, this is a common pattern in the sense that you choose teacher that's actually relatively young and you haven't seen the impact of all the decisions he's made. And you model yourself after that teacher like a father, uh, like a son models himself after her father. And uh, you most likely will um, suffer those consequences. One of the people that people usually quote when um, talking about finance is Jesse Levermore. And uh, the strange question is like, okay, do you know that Jesse Levermore um, actually went bankrupt three times? And the third time, he killed himself. So if you reread his books, isn't it possible thoughts of suicide might enter your mind? <laughs> <laughs> so yes. Um, so to get this straight, what, <clears throat> what you're saying is that an integrist teacher, a successful teacher, needs to stand the test of time. Yes, a successful teacher needs to attend this test this time. Um, ideally, you would want him to be dead so that he doesn't <laughs> compromise. <laughs> so he doesn't do anything that's uh, there. But yes, you want somebody to be old to be sure that things happen like that. As I said, like um, if you tend to read Jesse Levermore books, we don't know, but it's quite possible that you would experience uh, things similar to him in the sense of up and down trading, or bankrupt a few times, maybe experience success. And as I said, don't be surprised if uh, thoughts of suicide kind of enter you. Nobody's arguing that the book has value. I'm just saying is that, like, you know, um, just because it has some value, maybe it's not the best book. We should be careful. It's just a consideration. It's just a question to ask myself. Who did write this book? What happened to him? What really happened to him? I mean, I know I wrote the book. He wrote the book when he was successful, but yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> what would you say about um, the fact that we are quite impatient when it comes to returns on the market, especially today? Everything changes so fast. Like I mentioned earlier, we want it all and we want it now. On the opposite side, there is Warren Buffett, doesn't seem to care about what's going on, and he consistently has the exact same returns, while other market gurus promote 400 plus percent per year. First of all, that's nothing new. <laughs> I mean, it's new to young people because um, they really don't uh, study history well. But yeah, this is a common problem. Um, young people have felt like that um, 
very <laughs> often in many generations. And there have been people purporting or giving some sort of like a excessive potential returns trying to teach you things. This is nothing new. Um, reality is, is that uh, this is not something new. Very little could be done. Uh, my experience tells me that this is a very slow uh, process. And as I said, um, I'm thankful for people that have been in my life and have taught me this is some sort of like a physical lesson. This is not something that you could go to a lecture and read a book and um, kind of learn it. Um, you need to actually have somebody by your side physically talking to you, like maybe giving you some sort of advice that you listen to. Majority of the young people, um, they hold role models that are basically very close to their age and they're unlikely to listen to people that actually do have valuable advice um, that are much older. And sometimes just because somebody's older doesn't really mean that they give you good advice. <laughs> so, but yes, uh, many of the advices that I've actually picked up are kind of timeless. And many of them are from people that are already dead and who just don't bother or prefer not to think about it. Would you say that success shouldn't come to young people? That's the impression I'm left with from everything you said so far. Basically, success can go pretty much against you if you're young and you don't have an integrous teacher, which if you're young, you're kind of almost I mean, predisposed uh, to have an One of the teacher. patterns that people observe is they observe something happening to somebody and say like, well, that happened to that person. It has nothing to do with me. And the reality is like when you begin my age, you begin to see patterns and begin to see everything that happens is something that potentially happen to you. I mean, think about Tiger Woods, um, very young, uh, very quickly successful, and seems like, you know, his father was a role model, and then his father dies, and a couple of years later, he completely unravels. That's like actually a very common pattern. It's like, you know, this is not something that happens specifically to Tiger Woods. This is a common pattern for like people that are successful early on, and then later on experience trauma in their life, and they can't uh, recover. Potentially, this could happen to young people. So in the sense that, let's assume the young person puts hard work, gets very lucky, and makes a lot of money. And suddenly he's going to have uh, all his dreams come true, which comes to one dream, Lambo and girls in bikini and Lamborghini. Which that's is, what it all boils down to, right? That's what it boils <laughs> I mean, we're monkeys, right? So, yeah, <laughs> we're monkeys. And uh, there's no even arguing that uh, young men's thoughts are very common to that of a male gorilla. So, yeah. <laughs> As I said, went to mentors, if there is a doubt, always remember that you're a monkey. <laughs> and yes, most people are monkeys. So the reality is you'll be a very um, rich monkey and uh, most likely you're going to do quite a few monkey things. And uh, if bad things happen, you're going to take it very personally. And... Uh, I don't really know if that's what happened to Tiger Woods. This is like more important. I want to say that this is a common pattern. Like I don't know if that's necessarily what happened to him. But yes, people that experience success early on tend to have difficulty handling uh, traumatic events. And um, yes, uh, usually something like what happened to Tiger Woods happens uh, to young people. Thank you, Mr. Stoikov, about... Uh the depressing representation of oh, stop it <laughs> <laughs> about the depressing representation of what success on Wall Street or in general looks like 
Well, everything's good and bad. Like, you know, um, the reality of it is, is uh, you need to balance it. I mean, you ask me some uh, sad questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, we don't want to give uh, the audience that, like, it's all bad. Uh, the reality is, is you need to be balanced in the sense that everything is good and bad and success seems like in the minds of most people is only good. But success brings the seeds of failure. Right? It's like uh, success doesn't teach you anything. And failure teaches you things. And the reality is you need to have a balanced approach. And people are very, very kind of eager to experience success. And this is where the balance needs to come. Up. Like, you know, things are good and bad at the same time. Sometimes good comes first and the bad seconds. But they always do. So success is good and it's bad. So people are over-glorified about success and unnecessarily worried about failure. And those are going to be in your life. Those are going to be in your life. And the most important thing is uh, to, um, yeah, uh, to be rational. What they say, don't hallucinate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty much it for the first episode. Thank you, Mr. Stoiko, for uh, giving us an inside scoop of what that life is like. Hopefully, you influenced a lot of young people, or not just young people, influenced a lot of people to find that balance. I don't know if I'll influence people. Let's have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mr. Kirchhoff, and thank you for the audience. I hope you're coming and uh, check us out again. Thank you. <laughs>